today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. about when we love it's out of a pure heart it's not because I'm going to get something it's because I just want to give something I I give without strings attached I I want to do something just because God said do it he says pure then he says blameless the idea is that not to stumble that's so hard but we don't want to cause anybody to stumble we want to have a pure clean motives in what we do Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. What does it mean to love others? The Apostle Paul prays in Philippians that the church would abound in love. But what does this mean? In today's message, Pastor Ed explains that love is an action, a giving of ourselves purely to others. It means not giving to others with strings attached or looking for something in return. Further, to love others is to recognize their needs and cause others not to stumble. The world will know us by our love, so we need to be pure, blameless, and transparent. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. of God's love. His love is so great. The height, the depth, the width, the breadth of it is is incredible. And so Paul is praying, I pray that you will love more and more and more and more. In 1 Thessalonians 3.12, written prior to Philippians years before, and may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all just as we do for you. Oh, may God cause you to increase in your love for him, love for one another. Can we pray that prayer this week for our church, for each other, for ourselves? Don't stop there, though. Paul didn't. Paul says in verse 9, listen to his words very carefully. More and more in knowledge and depth of insight. In knowledge and depth of insight. They're like the bank on the right hand and the left hand keeping the river within its confines. A river is a beautiful thing, but when it overflows the banks, it can destroy and be destructive to a community, be destructive to everything that surrounds it. And so Paul the apostle says, may your love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. I love the way the message puts this. Verses 9 to 11. So this is my prayer, that your love will flourish, that you will not only love much, but well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary. A life Jesus will be proud of. Bountiful in fruit from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. He's talking about knowledge. When 
Love overflows its banks. Oftentimes, we have to do repair work. That's why Paul says that you ought to pray for love in knowledge. And every time that word is used in the New Testament, that Greek word, it's referring to spiritual knowledge. It's referring to knowledge of God and knowledge experientially of God. What Paul is praying is that as a Christian, I will really love with my head, not only my heart. When you disengage your head and you're just going with your heart, you're overflowing the bank. It happens all the time. Pastor, I really love her. Pastor, I really love him. But the Bible says don't cover your neighbor's wife. What do you do when those feelings inside of affection are there? You have to recognize, wait a minute, there's a proper way to express my feelings of love and emotion. The guy runs over to that beautiful young lady in the church. She's single and feels that he needs to give her a warm welcome. He's also looking for someone. I've been praying for you, brother. God put you on my heart. Really a way of getting a date. But anyway, I see it happen all the time. Love with your head, with knowledge. Let the word of God guide your behavior in the way you express your emotions, in the way you express your affection, in the way you express love. Parents, you just wouldn't give your children anything they wanted. Well, I love him. I love her. Now, the children might like that, but you wouldn't do that if you really love them. Otherwise, you spoil them. Parents, no. Now, you know what I'm saying. When you have that child like Sue and Tony have right now and Zoe and they're holding her and they're so cute, so precious, you know. But they have to grow in love for that child because when she becomes a teenager and she wants to do this and some discipline might have to happen. And, and that's just life. If you grow in love... You have a love that's knowledgeable, guided by the word of God, guided by the scriptures. Pastor, we should be a church, a loving church. Well, the Bible says that discipline belongs in the house of the Lord too. Being loving doesn't mean you don't discipline people. Oh, God created man and woman in his own image. But he also put them out of the garden. He didn't stop loving them. The plan of redemption came to pass. So it has to be a love according to knowledge. We have to have the word of God guide us and lead us. Listen to Romans chapter 16, verse 17. I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Keep away from them. There's things that we have to do that sometimes don't seem loving. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, it says, speak the truth in love. 
There are times to say something to people, but be very careful how you say it. You could do more damage in the way you say it than in what they did. Speak the truth, the Bible says, in love. We need to say, Lord, give me a knowing, according to your word, how to demonstrate love in a proper way, in a biblical way. He goes on to say also in insight, in knowledge and depth of insight. That insight is referring to the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that helped you to know how to love people. You're caught in a bind. You have $50 left over for the month. I know that happens occasionally. You have $50 left over for the month. And you're thinking about, boy, what will I do with this? Will I go out and treat myself? You know, they're talking about a need in the church. A missionary has a need. My friend is short this month. They don't have enough money to put gas in their car. The ability to let the Holy Spirit lead and guide you in those decisions. That's what Paul is praying. I pray that you might know how to demonstrate love, that you might have insight into situations. Sometimes, God, you may know of a problem, but God says don't say anything. Sometimes God prods you on to say things. But that's what he's talking about when he says, with insight. When you really love, you're really concerned about doing it God's way. If you love God, you're going to keep his commandments. Not just going to feel fuzzy feelings in church. Not just going to raise your hands in worship. Not just going to be excited when we're worshiping the Lord. It's going to come out in the way you live all through the week. One of the most difficult interpersonal decisions I ever had to make involved a very close friend of mine. We were close for years. We were involved in each other's lives and families. He had a marvelous salvation experience had come to Christ powerfully. He had a very strong personality. And I remember when I was pastoring in Delaware and I had been serving as a presbyter at that time, and he asked me to write a letter for him in a court case where he was trying to get custody of his son. He was going through a divorce. And he wanted me to use my influence in the court system to help him win custody of his little boy. And I remember praying and thinking, I can't do it. I know that The problems in this marriage are primarily his. And I know that his wife would be a far better single parent than he could possibly be because of even his physical condition. And so when I told him I loved him and I cared about him, but I just couldn't do it because I felt he was doing the wrong thing. He severed the relationship. My heart literally broke not long after that he died and I remember his family was still angry with me and didn't even want me near the funeral I know one day he'll welcome me into heaven because he's on the other side he's there with the Lord and you see differently when you get there you know we're perfect when we get there we see him we'll be like him but I know I did the right 
thing. And I try to do it in the right way. Love of God demanded that I do it the right way. In the Ten Commandments, the first four deal with our love for God. The last six deal with our love for one another. We have to love God first, then we can love people. I still remember a well-needed rebuke that I once received. A godly man who I was prayer partners with came and he said to me, Pastor Jones, God placed this on my heart and it's hard for me to tell you. But he said, I believe sometimes you love people more than you love God. And when he said that, the spirit quickened that to my heart. And as I prayed about that, and I thought, you know, that's idolatry. To put people before God is sin. And I've tried through the years to put God first and people second. But I still need to abound more and more in love. I know what Paul was talking about when he says, praying for wisdom and insight. Because there are times we just don't know. And that's why he says, when you Go on in knowledge and insight and you're abounding in love. Something's going to happen and that's, it's building up the prayer. It's, it's a crescendo. It's going up. He says in verse 10, so that, in order that, you may be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. There are times we have to make choices. The good the better and the best. Those in the ministry know what I'm talking about. Those who are in Christian leadership know what I'm talking about. Because in the work of the Lord, the work is never done. There's always something that you could do. Should I make this hospital visit or should I spend time with this person who needs counseling? Should I spend time with my child who wants to spend some time with me now? Or should I be doing something else here in the work. And and you have all good choices. Many times our battle is not between good and bad. It's between good and better and best. I remember a nightmare. Well, what do pastors have nightmares about? Well, I, I remember I was on Route 84, and I was driving down to Westchester, and I was supposed to be going to a hospital to visit somebody who was critically sick. And I was in this dream, and I was driving down there. And at the same time, I was supposed to be at a funeral. And I'm on 84, and I can't decide what to do. I'm going to the hospital, but I think I should be at the funeral. And I woke up in a sweat and anxiety. And there are sometimes, it's like that. We're we're not quite sure, should I do this or that? Door number one, door number two, door number three, they're all good. Paul says, I pray that you will mature in love and knowledge and insight are bounding in love so that you may be able to choose what is best. Our life is a product of choices. The character, the person we're becoming, the destiny that we have is all a product of the choices that we have been making. Your destiny is not a matter of chance. It truly is a matter of choice. So Paul is leading us on in this prayer. 
He's talking about abounding in love. He's talking about a directed or guided love, a love directed by knowledge and insight. He's talking about a love that has the ability to distinguish the very best thing. One of my very close friends, Steve, just finished his doctorate and called me up to let me know and asked me how I was doing on mine, and we lost connection at that point. (laughs) But he did his doctoral dissertation on pastoral intuitiveness. Pastoral intuitiveness. How to intuitively lead people. Some people are so in love with God, and so love people, that they could read a situation like that. It's like they know what you're thinking. Sense, oh, they're offended. Sense, oh, there's a need here. There's a burden. When we love God and we are loving people, God helps us in that area. Paul goes on to say, not only for effective praying, but prayer for practical love. It should be expressed in the way I live, in my interactions. It, well, listen to his words so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Notice that he says pure. In the King James, I believe it's sincerity. It comes from two Latin words. It talks about without wax. Centuries ago, when they would make expensive vases and expensive earthware, Sometimes there would be a fine crack. And what they would do was they would fill that crack with wax and maybe they would cover it over with some porcelain or some paint so no one could see it. The only way you could detect it is if you take it outside and hold it up to the sun and turn it around. And then you could see those cracks. What God is looking for in our lives is that we have a pure love, that we're not covering up, that we don't have mixed motives. Brother John, you look absolutely great today. I like that jacket. I like those pair of pants and those shoes and that open Bible. You, could I borrow $20 off of you, brother? (laughs) You know, we butter up people so that we can take advantage. That's not being pure in our love. That's having mixed motives. That's not really caring. And what Paul is talking about, when we love, it's out of a pure heart. It's not because I'm going to get something. It's because I just want to give something. I I give without strings attached. I want to do something just because God said do it. He says pure. Then he says blameless. The idea is that not to stumble. That's so hard. But we don't want to cause anybody to stumble. We want to have a pure, clean motives in what we do. Transparent, honest and true and no secret agendas, but simply transparent. That's what Paul is praying. Imagine a church like that. Who wouldn't want to be a part of a church like that? God help us. Lord, do it here. Do it here. Let it happen in my life. Let it happen in your life. Let's grow in love. Fruit of righteousness. You know where that goes, right? To Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit. 
Let me just read to you from the book of Galatians. Paul the Apostle is really describing a Christ-like character when he speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. Listen to what he says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there are no loss. He's saying, I'm praying that you will be filled with righteousness, overflowing with righteousness, that your life will be fruitful. There's a story that I've shared. Not all of you have heard it, but I've shared it a couple of times that God used in my life to sort of correct me. I was having one of those days. I was pastoring in Chestnut Ridge. I was about 30 years old or so, and just having a miserable day and complaining to God. I was complaining about everything. Have you ever been there? Well, a couple of you have. But anyway, I was complaining about everything. So I'm driving and I'm going on the Bell Parkway. As I'm driving in on the Bell Parkway, my car gets a flat tire. Now this is really aggravating. So I, I pull aside on the Bell Parkway, I open the trunk and something happened to the jack. It wasn't working. And it was the day before cell phones back then. And I had to walk all the way down to a phone booth. I didn't know who to call. I said, let me call my home church pastor. And I called the Pastor Greco. And I thought he could send somebody out to help me out, you know. I, he came himself. Now, he had crippling arthritis in pain. He came out, brought his jack, and started jacking up my car. I said, no, 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 Pastor. <laughs> but God corrected me at that moment and says, look, you have so much to be grateful for. And it just broke my heart. It just did something inside of me. There's another man that I also consider a model. He's my father-in-law, Pastor James Morris. I try and call him and talk to him on the phone. And he's going on 84 years old. I don't know how much longer God will grant him in this world, but For me, he's one of the people that I model my life after. I watched him all through this Christian journey. And he says, I got to make a hospital visit. Nobody, or I got to go to the nursing home. No one visits them. I'm the only one that stops in. He's 84 years old. He'll he'll say, this missionary has such a, a need. And he's on a fixed income. And he takes and he gives. And he gives. And he gives without any strings attached. There's a love for God every single day. He prays for me. Now, as he's gotten older, his memory's not as good as it used to be, but he never forgets to pray. Never forgets to lift up his family. And when I'm around him, I just feel that love that he has for his children and grandchildren and for the Lord. What does our presence mean to others? Some are a walking storm. Some are a walking fight. I mean, they're ready to battle. And you see them. (laughs) But some walk in the love of God. And they're like a magnet. And they pull you to them. Paul says, I pray 
that you will abound more and more and more in love. We're so glad you've joined us again today for Building in Faith for Dr. Ed Jones' teachings from the book of Philippians. Even though Paul wrote this book while in prison, the joy of the Lord fills every word. Paul knew that his imprisonment was being used for God's glory and the spread of the gospel. When you take a look at the hardships in your own life, can you see how God is working them for your good and His glory? When you're walking through the hard times, soaking yourself in the words of this book can bring a new perspective and transform your thinking. Whatever season of life you're in, we aren't meant to do it alone. We encourage you to find a community of believers to journey with. This family of faith will be able to offer you the support you need in any situation you face. If you're in the Poughkeepsie, New York area, we'd love to see you at Faith Assembly. Weekend services are 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. on Sunday. And there's a Wednesday evening Bible study at 7 p.m. Find out more about Faith Assembly by visiting our website at buildinginfaithradio.com. You can also look us up on Facebook. Just search for Faith AG2. We'd also love to answer any questions you may have, so give us a call at 845-462-5955. Once again, that's 845-462-5955. That's all we have time for on today's edition. Join us again as we continue in Philippians next time on Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. Your word restores.